Let's pray together. Father, we do draw near to you tonight and pray that you would get a hold of our hearts, that our hearts would be focused on you, not in a place of fear, but a place of, of trusting you. And God, we pray that you would feed our souls as we go through Leviticus tonight, that you would show us more of yourself and show us more of you, uh, Jesus. We do lift up our country to you, and Lord, we pray uh, that many hearts would turn to you. We know ultimately that there's this great spiritual need that you would open up eyes and ears right here in Colorado, Colorado Springs and throughout the state and the country. But there would be a, a repentance and an understanding of who you are. So Lord, would you bless each person tonight? Would you encourage them, meet their needs? Those that are listening online, they would feel your presence. Lord, those that are able to join us here in the sanctuary. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember with the book of Leviticus, as they're traveling from Egypt, where they were in bondage, to the promised land, you would think that God would get them to the promised land as quick as possible, but instead, God pauses and instructs Moses to go to Mount Sinai. Gives him the law, but also gives him this sacrificial system. When God gave the law, he knew the Israelites would fall short from the law, that there had to be sacrifice for their sin. Each one of these sacrifices ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus. It is a lot of detail to go through the book of Leviticus, but I think it helps us to understand what Jesus has done for us, that we're not under the old covenant. Thankfully tonight, we're not sacrificing animals. Amen? That you didn't have to bring in a lamb sacrifice. I didn't have to bring in a lamb sacrifice uh, for sin. That Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. As we get into our study tonight, we're going to see the consecration of the priests, that the priests were set apart. And we're told by Peter that we're a royal priesthood. We're set apart. Our life is to be consecrated to the Lord. More and more, we're seeing in our country this middle ground where Maybe in prior days and prior generations, you could be a Christian and it wouldn't cost you anything. There's this gray area that you could, could live in. But more and more, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to stand out. And God does call us to be set apart. He calls us to be sanctified. sanctified. Not sanctified, but sanctified. To be wholly devoted uh, to him. So I think there's lots of us for us to glean uh, this evening as we begin in chapter 7. It begins with the law for the trespass offering. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall sprinkle the trespass offering, and its blood he shall sprinkle all around the altar. Remember, there is a difference between the sin offering and the trespass offering. The sin offering was if you sinned in innocence. You weren't intending to sin, but you did sin. The trespass offering is willful disobedience. So this is the way that the trespass offering was to be offered. And he shall offer from it all its fat, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver around the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. 
Every male among the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. So the priests, as they were offering this sacrifice, they also could benefit from the sacrifice. The priests were never given any land when they eventually got into the promised land. Their livelihood, if you would, was through their service. The way that God cared for the Levites as priests is they would receive from these sacrifices that they would offer. But with the trespass offering, they had to eat it in the holy place. Set apart, this sacrifice was not to be taken home, not to be eaten with their family, but to be eaten in the tabernacle. The trespass offering is like the sin offering, and there is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also every grain offering that is baked in the oven, all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan, shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. So chapter 7 is going to give us the requirements for these different offerings. In verse 11, this is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So we've seen the law of the trespass offering, and now the law for the peace offering. Remember, the peace offering is fellowship with God. It wasn't in regards to sin. It wasn't in regards to trespass. It was a voluntary, willful offering saying, God, I want a fellowship with you. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the peace offering as well. His sacrifice on the cross brings us into fellowship with God. And we have the opportunity to offer up the peace offering. As you're worshiping the Lord tonight, saying, God, I want to be in fellowship with you. As you're taking time to read the word, get up early, stay up late, take a lunch hour, go for a walk and talk with the Lord. This year especially, I've really enjoyed walking and talking with the Lord. It's just my favorite thing. I've always had a lot of energy. It's hard for me to sit for very long, hard for me to focus for too long. But if I walk, my thoughts are clear and directed and able just to have a sweet time of fellowship with the Lord. It's that peace offering. How is it that you meet with the Lord? You fellowship with the Lord and we offer that up to, to the Lord. If he offers it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of the blended flour mixed with it. So unleavened is a picture of purity. Offering thanksgiving with the peace offering it was to be done with unleavened bread. A heart that is devoted to the Lord. Picturing a heart that has been searched and sin has been confessed. Verse 13, besides the cake as his offering, he shall offer up leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it, he shall offer one cake for each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. So once again, the priest could enjoy and benefit from this offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow, 
or a volunteer offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it also may be eaten. This is interesting. So the priests, as they were going to eat of this, had to do it the day of or the next day. When we sacrifice, worship, fellowship with God, there's a benefit that comes back into our lives because God is gracious. Hey, that was entertaining, wasn't it? So, he's gracious. So as we put our attention upon the Lord and we worship him and give that sacrifice to him, there's something for us to partake of. There's something for us to be able to enjoy, but we should enjoy it right away. Sometimes there's things that the Lord has shown us and it's almost kind of become a leftover. There's that fresh revelation where God is, is speaking to us. Take the time as you're reading the word to write down what the Lord is showing you, to really listen and, and to pay attention. That, that's what God wants to be eaten, digested for that day. His words, a, a lamp unto our feet and a light un, unto our path. And so many times, we're relying on maybe what God showed us five years ago or 10 years ago. But God wants to speak to us today, and he wants that to impact our lives uh, today. Been looking at the parable of the sower and having that soil that's fertile, where the word of God's good, but the problem is the condition of our hearts. And a big part of having a heart that is fertile soil is the ear listening to the Lord. Right after the parable of the sower, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. And if you hear, more will be given to you. So, so pay attention that, that we're listening to what the Lord would speak to us, what, what he gives to us as we're worshiping him and, and digest it. What is it tonight that the Lord's wanting you to digest? What is it tomorrow that he's wanting you to digest. Verse 17, the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. So they had to burn it up on the third day. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats it shall bear guilt." In verse 19, the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall not be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord while he's unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. So God gave an instruction, if you eat this or touch this, you become unclean. So if anyone was unclean when they ate this peace offering, if any of the priests were unclean when they ate this peace offering, then they were to be cut off from the people of Israel. They were to be kicked out of Israel. One of the things that stands out in the Old Covenant is how strict it is. There's not room for grace. You're unclean when you ate this sacrifice. What if one of the priests was hungry and he's been serving all day and here's the peace offering, but he was also unclean and he decides to disobey and then ultimately he's kicked out of the, the nation of Israel. Causes us to see the glory of the new covenant, 
of what Jesus has done for us, the, the grace that he has paid for us and provided for us for, for our sins. In verse 21, moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, an unclean animal, or any abominable unclean thing, and he who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Verse 22, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. You shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat, and the fat of an animal that dies naturally, and the fat of which is torn by wild beasts, may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal, of which men offer as an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. See this standard? You're not supposed to eat the fat, but if you eat the fat, you're kicked out of Israel. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, whether of bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Blood and fat are reserved for the Lord. The fat spoke of abundance. In the ancient world, the fat was the most treasured of an animal what they enjoyed the, the most. So that was to be offered unto to the Lord. Blood speaks of the sanctity of life. Life is in, in the blood. And so they weren't to eat any blood, remembering that God is the, the author of life. Verse 28, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers the sacrifice of the peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. Highlight, underline his own hands. The sacrifice was to be brought with your, your own hands. Our worship unto the Lord should be personal. We should have your hand in it. It should have your creativity in it. should have your heart in it. You look at Mary in the Gospels as she came and broke the alabaster box of precious ointment and washed the feet of Jesus and wiped the feet of Jesus with her hair. That was personal. That was her heart. That was her expression of, of worship. You see David, as he was bringing the tabernacle or excuse me, the Ark of the Covenant, back to Jerusalem to be placed in the tabernacle. He was so excited about what God's doing, he's dancing before the Lord. And he too got ridiculed for his worship. But he was so blessed and moved that the Ark of the Covenant was no longer with the Philistines. And sometimes worship for us can become, okay, here I go, it's another Wednesday night, here's some songs to, to sing, or okay, here's another quiet time with the Lord and I'm going to do my, my devotions. Or here's another opportunity to, to serve God in a particular way. I'm, I'm going to do these dishes unto the Lord. Woe is me. I've got to do the dishes. Nobody else wants to do the dishes for the Lord in my house. So I'm going to do them. Hey, did anybody notice that I did the dishes, right? And we lose that spark, we, we lose that passion, we lose that creativity in a sense uh, our own hands aren't put into it. 
Even in our times of gathering together, you can put yourself into worship, saying, man, I'm so thankful for the worship team, but I too am going to sing. I too am, am going to worship. I'm going to take some of these songs home and download them and listen to them and stream them and worship, worship the Lord. I'm going to study ahead. I know we're going to continue in Leviticus. I'm going to see what God has for me in Leviticus. I know we're in 2 Corinthians, so, so I'm going to study 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to make worship my own. I'm going to have my hands in, in worship. In a sense, it's like I'm not going to let somebody else do it for me because I want my worship to the Lord to be passionate and fervent. In verse 28, in verse 31, excuse me, and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. They're able to, to eat that. Also the right thigh you shall give to the priests as a heave offering from the sacrifice of your peace offering. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering, the fat, shall have the right thigh for his part. See how specific that is? The right thigh. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering, I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifice of the peace offering, and I've given them to Aaron, the priests, and to his sons, the children of Israel, by statute forever. This is the consecrated portion of Aaron and his sons from the offering made by fire to the Lord. On the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests, the Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel. On the day he anointed them by the statute forever throughout their generations. Have you ever wrestled with this question before? Man, I feel like God's calling me to serve him, but if I serve him, I don't know how this other part of my life's gonna be taken care of. Let's say, for instance, it takes some time on a Wednesday night to serve down in children's ministry, or, or take some time to be a youth leader. Man, we need youth leaders in, in high school and in junior high. And you feel God stirring. Man, I, I have a heart for, for teens. I pray for them and I'm, I'm concerned for them. Or maybe there's an unbelieving neighbor that God is leading you to, to spend time with. But in the back of our minds, we're going, I don't know how this is going to work out if I give up time during the week for these teens at, at church or kids in children's ministry or the unsaved neighbor. For the priests, this is a big deal for them to not provide for their families in the traditional way, for Aaron and their sons. Their provision really is going to come through service. But God says, look, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. You get to have a part of the sacrifices. And the principle here is, is as you serve the Lord, God is going to take care of your needs. And do it wisely and do it in wisdom, but don't allow that fear to say, man, if I give time to the Lord, if I give money to, to the Lord's work, if I give resources to, to the kingdom of God, I don't know how God's going to take care of, of my, my needs. God doesn't want us to be stingy. It all belongs to him anyway, right? He, he's given us resources. He's given us talents. All, all the time belongs to him. And if you're being led by the Spirit to serve God in a particular way, then trust that he's going to provide. And the priests are evidence of, of that. They're serving, but the Lord was faithful to be able to provide for them. I think we all wrestle with that at times. 
Verse 37, this is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Chapter 8. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. This is going to get crazy detailed. But remember, God's setting up worship for the first time for the children of Israel. He's setting aside the priests, Aaron and his sons, Moses' brother Aaron, Aaron's sons. As we look at this, we think of what does it mean to be a royal priesthood that First Peter tells us. There's lessons for us as we'll read through this. And gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. So they're, they're washed with water before the children of Israel. And as God has called us to be a royal priesthood, we have to be washed. Servants of the living God have to, to be washed because we're fallen, we're sinful. We need Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sin. The priests needed a sacrifice for their sin. This physical cleansing spoke of their need for, for spiritual cleansing. We need to be washed in the water of the word. Before the priest could serve, they had to receive. Before we can serve, we've got to receive. We've got to put ourselves in that position of allowing the Lord to wash us and, and to cleanse us. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with sash, and clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him, and he girded him with the intrinsically woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod on him. When we study this robe that was placed upon him, we know that the instruction was that it was to be made out of linen. Linen is breathable, the opposite of wool. God's message to the priests is, your service should be no sweat. And for us, as we serve the Lord, we don't have to serve him in this burden but we get to serve in the yoke of Christ, where Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, sometimes is it difficult in serving the Lord? Is it difficult to, to be a priest and to care for the needs of others spiritually? Absolutely. But God doesn't want us to sweat it in the sense where it's our church. No, it's, it's God's church. It's his, his people. We get to walk in the yoke of Christ. We get to experience the joy of being linked to Christ. When I'm going through life and I'm not feeling like the, the burden is light, I usually have traded in the yoke of Christ for something else. The yoke of other people's expectations, the yoke that I place upon myself. Instead of being linked with Jesus and saying, okay, Jesus, what are you up to today? I've taken on some other yoke. You're, you're going to be linked to something. You're going to be yoked to someone, to, to something. But when we're yoked to Christ, then service becomes 
no sweat. As priests of the living God, we're robed in Christ's righteousness. These priests had the bling bling, didn't they? This intrinsically woven ephod, but yet we're robed in Christ's righteousness. And he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. What is this umum and the thummim, other than something that really is a tongue tie, right? We know that there was 12 stones, and each of the stones have engraved on there one of the names of the tribes of Israel, representing that God's people were to be on the heart of the priests. As, as we serve as, as priests, as God calls us into service, God's people should be on our hearts. We, we should be burdened for God's people, interceding on their behalf before the Lord in prayer. Also, we know from this umum and the thummim that this was a way that the priest discerned the will of God. We don't know exactly how. Some think it was casting of lots and rolling these stones like dice. Some feel that the stones would light up to determine the will of God, but God would, would reveal his direction to the children of Israel through this umum and the thummim. Kind of mystical when we think about it now. In verse 9, and he put the turban on his head, also on the turban on its front. He put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. So Aaron and his sons, as well as the articles in the tabernacle, were anointed with oil. And we see that in verse 11 and 12. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all of its utensils, and the laver and its basin to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses brought Aaron's son and put tunics on them and girded them with sashes and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. As priests, as servants of the living God, we've got to be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. We see that in Zechariah chapter 4. Oftentimes we're trying to serve God in our own power. So remember, worship's just getting set up. The priests are just getting set up. And God takes Aaron and his sons and pours oil over them to the point where in Psalms 133, it says that oil was dripping off of Aaron's beard. <laughs> it's not the way that we anoint with oil now, where we put a little bit of oil on your forehead, a little bit of oil on your hand. It's like, oh, you're coming up for prayer? We got a whole half gallon of olive oil. We're just going to dump it over your head and just let it drip off of, of your face, right? God wants the Holy Spirit to completely fill our hearts and, and our lives. If there was ever a time for the church to be filled with the Spirit, it's now. The Spirit's freely given. Jesus died and rose again and sent the Spirit to baptize us with the Spirit so that we could have the power of God to be witnesses. We don't have the answers, but we do have the power of the Spirit. And asking for the power of the Spirit, for the Spirit of God to, to move in our lives, to lead us and guide us and, and direct us. I think this is key for serving the Lord. 
This is key for us to, to not just know this up here. Maybe all of these things are causing us to be a little bit desperate in a good way to say, Lord, I need to understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit, what it means to serve in the, the power of your Spirit. In verse 14, And he brought the bull for the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering, and Moses killed it. And he took the blood and put some on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Then he took the fat with, that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with the fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. Put the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its offal, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he bought the ram as the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around the altar, then he cut the ram into pieces, and Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water, and Moses burned the whole ram. It was a burnt sacrifice for sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord, as the Lord commanded. So Moses offers a sin offering and a burnt offering. And Aaron and his sons have to put their hands on these Offerings, the sin offering and the burnt offering. The priests need to understand that they need to sacrifice for their sins, identifying that this animal is paying the price for my sin. And as we serve the Lord, we need to serve him from the position that we're sinners. Amen? John the Baptist, he said, I'm not even worthy to take off Jesus' sandals. I'm not even worthy to do the smallest thing. And John the Baptist was a pretty amazing guy. He's a pretty devoted guy. Followed the Lord, but he's like, man, I'm not even worthy to take off Jesus' sandals. And as we get the privilege of serving sinners, we need to understand that we are sinners that are saved by grace. We never serve people from a position of, I'm up here and you're down here. We serve from a position of, we're all sinners that have received grace through what Christ has done for us on the cross. Could you imagine if you're like bringing in a sin offering to one of these priests and they're kind of looking down at you like, oh man, I can't believe you did that. Or really? You need a sin offering? I can't believe that. You're a sinner. So these priests need to understand their own depravity, their own sin. I too need a sacrifice for, for my sin. And that's the reality of all of us is we need Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. It really affects the way that we minister to people if we serve from that position that I am a sinner saved by grace. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. So there was the ram for sin offering, but now this is the sacrifice for the priest being set apart. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And Moses killed it. He took some of the blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's ear on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Remember, this is consecration. Consecration. Aaron and his sons would remember this as future priests would take this position. They would have blood placed upon their ear, on their thumb, and their, their big toe. What's God saying? He's saying, priests, I want your ear. 
I want you listening to me. I want your ear to be set apart to hearing my voice. Probably the most important thing for the priest is that they would hear God's voice, hear God speak through the word of God, be listening to what God was saying. One of the things that is really tragic that happens in the life of a pastor if he's not careful is he's no longer hearing the voice of God. No longer having the word of God speak to his heart and his life, he becomes spiritually deaf. What happens to a church when the pastor is not hearing from God through his word, where his ear is turned off to to the Lord? You can see how that would trickle down and that would affect the, the body of Christ. How would it affect the nation of Israel if the priest's ear wasn't set apart to the Lord? As we serve the Lord as priests, we got to give God our ear. We've got to be willing to listen of what he's saying through his word, what he's speaking in our lives. One of the hardest things about listening is we have to slow down the velocity of our lives to be able to hear God speak through his word. It takes some time, some time to be still, some time not to be rushed some time to not be distracted. It's difficult to hear one another even inside of our own families, isn't it? Our phones are so addictive. Having a conversation with one of our family members and our pocket starts to buzz because we've received a text. And now all of a sudden our attention is diverted and maybe we don't even look at our phone but we're wondering, who's texting me? Like it's a national emergency. And then we start to twitch a little bit. I gotta check, I gotta check, right? Do you ever like walk by your phone and there's no notification, but you're like, I, I better check, maybe I missed something, right? It's been a while, it's, like, it's been like 15 minutes. I, and then you're like, why am I doing this, right? I'm so distracted. Sometimes in preparing messages, my phone's just going off the hook. There's text after text and email and all these things that I feel are urgent. And I had this thought this week of maybe there's some times when I'm preparing a message that I actually need to like put my phone in another room or find a lockbox. Tell, tell Amber, hey, if you need to get a hold of me, call the church's landline and they'll buzz it into the office, right? There's so many distractions. To, to be able to, to hear God's voice, we gotta slow down how busy our, our lives are, how distracted our, our minds are. But all, God also wants the thumb. Eileen, she had a project for science this week. She's 10 years old. And the project was she was supposed to put tape around her thumb and her finger and go through the whole day with her thumbs tape, taped to her finger to see how important the thumb was. So she's like, Dad, why don't you do it? I got some tape for you. I lasted like 15 minutes. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I need my thumb. I'm done, right? Broke, broke the tape. There's so much that you do with your thumb. The thumb is the foundation to your whole entire hand. It's, it's what really separates us from the, the animal kingdom of what we're able to do with our thumb and our, and our fingers. So by our thumb belonging to the Lord, our hands belong to the Lord. 
by our big toe belonging to the Lord, it symbolizes our feet belonging to the Lord. We want our ear to belong to the Lord, but we want our hands to belong to the Lord. And we want our feet to belong to the Lord. And this is really practical. This is the message to the priests is, I want your hands to belong to me. Your hands are going to be offering these sacrifices unto me. I don't want your hands involved in sin. What are our hands literally doing? And are our hands involved in sin? Are our feet taking us to places that dishonor the Lord? God wants us to be set apart to him. Our ears set apart to him, but our hands set apart to him. Our feet set apart to him. Our life set apart to him and consecrated unto him. Verse 24, then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. Then he took the fat, the fat tail, and the fat that was on the entrails, and the fatty lobe attached to the river, liver, and the two kidneys, and their fat, and the right thigh. And from the basket of the unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took the unleavened cake, a cake of bread anointed with oil, and one wafer, and put them on the fat on the right thigh. And he put all these in Aaron's hands and his sons, and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offering. They were consecrated offerings for a sweet aroma. That was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, on his sons, on the garments of his sons with him and consecrated Aaron and his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings as I've commanded you. Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Verse 32, What remains of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire and you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until your days of consecration are ended. For seven days he shall be consecrated to you. Seven speaks of the number of completion. Imagine just seven days being in the tabernacle and examining, am I set apart for God? Am I surrendered to the Lord? Am I consecrated unto him? And as he has done this day, so the Lord has commanded to do, to make atonement for you. Therefore you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night, for seven days and keep charge of the Lord so that you may not die. For I have, for so I have been commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. We're going to fast forward here in chapter 9. I encourage you to read through chapter 9 on your own. I want you to see how God responds to Moses and Aaron's obedience and Moses and Aaron being consecrated and set apart to the Lord. So jump down to verse 22 with me. Leviticus 9, verse 22. Then Aaron lifted his hands toward the people, blessed them, 
and came down from the offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. God shows up. He shows up in a powerful way as they walked in obedience, as these priests were consecrated to the Lord. Things are getting kicked off for the very first time, and God's glory is revealed. We don't know specifically how his glory was revealed, but his glory was, was revealed, and that fire consumed, fire comes from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar, and when they saw it, they shouted, and they fell on their faces before the Lord. What we're praying for and what we're desiring is that God would reveal his glory to us and to others and especially to those that don't know Christ as their Savior. And as we realize, Jesus, you are the priest and you are the sacrifice. You are my high priest. That's my advocate. You're the sacrifice that died for my sins. And now you've robed me in your righteousness to be a royal priesthood. As we surrender to the Lord to be a living sacrifice unto him, when I think of Paul's life, he was surrendered to the Lord as a living sacrifice, and God consumed his life like a burning fire. God says that he is the, the consuming fire. As we place our lives on the altar, God's altar, what if he consumed us in a way where God's glory is revealed? This isn't just for Aaron and his sons. This is for us as well to say, God, you're calling me to be separated, to be consecrated unto you. Jesus put it this way. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. Have we taken up our cross to follow Christ? These are crazy times. These are discouraging times. They're overwhelming times. But God is the author. He's over all things. He's in control. He's on the throne. And for us to be able to respond and say, I don't want this to lull me to sleep or to lull me to despondency or I'm just going to punt. I'm tired of trying. But to say, Lord, you have made me to be a royal priesthood. So I'm consecrated unto you. God, you've got my ear. I'm here to listen. As we come to communion, God, I'm here, I'm here to listen. As we go home tonight, maybe turn off the TV. God, I'm here to listen. Wake up tomorrow morning. We've been having some beautiful sunrises, and they're easier to catch because of daylight savings time. I want to be up for the sunrise. I want to listen. I want to listen to what God would want to speak to me. And as we present ourselves to him, that then he would consume us so that his glory could be revealed.